Welcome to the Granary Church Mums and Kids podcast, where we want to have meaningful conversations around parenting, health, education, and creative ways to survive lockdown. We'll be blessed with many special guests, and you'll be lovingly hosted by Mel Attia. Mel is a part of the Granary Church's pastoral staff, has worked as a physiotherapist, and is an amazing mother of four. We pray this resource blesses and encourages you at this time. Hello, I'm Mel. Welcome to the Granary Mums and Kids podcast. Today we are speaking with Anna Barnes, who's a wife and mum, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to us this morning. Hi, Anna. Hi, Mel. Hi, how are you? Very well. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Um, Thank you for inviting me to um, take part in this podcast. I feel very special, so thank you so much. Um, A little bit about myself. uh, yes, my name is Anna Barnes and I've been attending Granary for um, just over two years with my husband, Jeremy. Um, I have three children as well who attend the Granary. Uh, I've got two boys, uh, Zach, who's 22, and Jessie, who's 14, and I have a daughter, Sophie, who's 11. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been in Newcastle about 12 and a half years. We previously lived in Sydney. Um, I grew up in a Christian household um, and I grew up in regional New South Wales, attended a local Church of Christ. Um, the church I grew up in was situated in a lower sort of socioeconomic area. And so the focus for our church was very much on sort of local mission, um, which again is, is very much like the granary. I really um, love what we do through granary care. And, and so that essentially was my mission field also um, in my early years and teen years until I, I finished high school and, and left to study in Sydney. Fabulous. Brilliant. Well, welcome this morning. Now, you're going to be sharing with us today on a bit of a journey that you've been taking with God over the last several months, where he's been teaching you a bit about idols uh, in your life and uh, things that might sit in the place that he should have in our hearts. You want to tell us a little bit about how this journey started and, and where it's led? Yeah, sure. It was, you know, it's really interesting. It, it, it has been a bit longer than a few months. It, it probably got really started to speak to me about this idea of idols um, probably in, in 2018, actually, probably a bit over a year ago. And um, I was listening to a podcast at the time I was uh, working for a pharmaceutical company and I, and I had a pretty long daily commute. So podcasts at the time were my travel companions and I, um, I listened to them a lot. Um, but this particular one really piqued my interest. Um, I think it's because, you know, it was about idols of the heart and, and that's not something that I would have typically chosen to listen to. In fact, it was probably a podcast that just started playing automatically after my selected podcast had finished. So in that moment, I think probably God was interjecting um, because the word idol was sort of not a word that I use regularly. Um, and definitely not sort of within the context of my walk with God. It, it wasn't a word that, that sort of came up um, in my conversations with, with Christian friends. It's not a word any of us really use very much at all. So it's really interesting. It, it really is. And, and I think that's, you know, I really listened to the, these two Christian women who are talking about idols of the heart. And, and I know God really had me sort of leaning close to hear what they were saying because it was like he was giving me, you know, one of those big old nudges, like, you know, girl, listen to this one, you know, this is for you. So, <laughs> um, so I actually listened to it again. I was just really curious. And, and as I began to understand what they were really referring to as an idol, 
God just started revealing to me all of these areas of my life where I, I felt I just wasn't placing him first, where I wasn't trusting him, um, where I was finding my value, my worth and identity, and particularly my comfort in things other than him. So what did that look like? What sort of things did you find that he was showing you? Yeah, well, I, I really found it was it was not just in things that um, I might have been looking at it at present, but... I was, he was really nearly taking me on this, this bit of a, a journey on, on other areas of my life where he was pointing out to me um, that idols have actually been an, an issue in my life, um, even as a, as a young woman. And so some of those areas um, of idols for me in particular were, were things such as um, comfort, you know, finding, finding a solution that really made me feel comfortable um, rather than really leaning into the Lord, asking him what he would have me do in a situation. Um, definitely I was reflecting on times and, and I'll share a little bit more about this later of, of early in my, my marriage, I was married really young, but um, I really idolized my marriage and, and was asking things of it that really in replaced replacement of what God should have been doing for me in that in that time. So um, yeah, I think it was just, you know, it, God just wouldn't let go of it from me. You know, he really had me dissecting these areas of my life where honestly, I didn't want to go Mel. Sometimes it was, um, hard for me to, to look into them, but he had me giving me sort of, yeah, his life sort of piece by piece, um, repenting of areas where I, I sort of wanted control. Control was one that came up for me and, and where it was um, a real struggle, but it really felt like he was saying to me, you know, go through everything, Anna. I, I'm, anything that you have a problem with the thought of handing to me, then then that's actually a problem. So what sort of emotions or thoughts um, did you find that God um, brought up for you that helped you identify these idols in your life, these things that you know, may actually be good things like your marriage or um, other things, but they'd become the ultimate thing rather than just a good thing. How did, you know, what did God say to you were flags to, to, to identify when things had become too important to you? Absolutely. I think it was, you know, if you really took me on a journey of, of firstly understanding more about who I was um, and what I've been created for. So, you know, understanding that, when we were created, we were created for communion and relationship with the Lord and, and that we were actually created for worship. We're all created for worship. It's something we naturally look to do, um, but we were created to worship God alone. Um, so I, I think there is that natural tendency for us to look to things, to worship or, or things in which we're going to find um, solace or, or security or confidence or um, approval. Value and meaning is something I guess I can relate to in that. Definitely. And and I think that once we understand who we are and, and then, like you were saying before, we, we don't usually use this word idol very often. So, you know, when I think of the word um, idol, um, you know, I was really thinking more of that, um, you know, traditionally we see it in the physical sense, you know, thinking of images that people worship. The little Buddhist statue in your fish pond out the front or something like that. For sure. Absolutely. Or, you know, the golden calf in Exodus. But 
But we need to also see it in the value that that we're placing on possessions and relationships, um, activities, habits, and even achievements. So, um, you know, when when we look at what an idol is, you know, it's fundamentally anything that we worship instead of or, and this was this was the real clincher for me, in addition to God. So an idol is anything that we worship instead of or in addition to God. And, and so that means idolatry is worshipping something other than or in addition to God. And Interesting. So are women prone to idolising some things more than others? Are there things that we fall into? I mean, I'm sure idolising in a way is, is an individual act, but are there, are there things that our culture, our society or just our makeup? might make us prone to worshipping instead of God? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, of course, as women, we're going to struggle with with all of those more commonly identified idols. You know, in Matthew 6, 24, God writes to all of us when he says, you know, we, we cannot serve both God and money. Um, but some of those other common areas in our lives where we, where we really need to start looking at where we're identifying, you know, where we're spending our time, um, those things that consume our thought life in, in sort of more unhealthy ways. And, you know, examples can be things like our appearance or um, our body or the pursuit of sort of that, that body beautiful. Um, social media, of course, is a, is a more common um, but But more so what are we getting from social media? Um, things like consumerism, our career or pursuit of achievement, um, but I think women can also be prone to idolising in it. And I'm speaking from, this what our listeners to know, I'm speaking from experience here. This is definitely me not putting the finger. I think, you know, these things that I'm learning is because I'm reflecting on my life and, and God's revealed to me things that um, I have idolised um, over the years. And, and so women can be prone to idolising our marriages and even our husbands, um, our children, um, parents or, or family of origin, our, our girlfriends or, or any, actually any relationship. Any of us can idolise a relationship, um, even our home. And, and I think there are some sneaky ones as well, and that's that women can idolise a sense of control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd be guilty of that. <laughs> I think we all are, you know, a, a sense of comfort. Um, I spoke a little bit before that um, and before about that and, and also the approval of others. So, you know, I, I think, yeah, we, we definitely can struggle with, um, you know, those more commonly identified idols. But I think you're right. I think that as women and as mums, we, we can be prone to idolising some other things in our lives as well. It sounds to me like it's almost... Um, it, to find these things in your life that have crept sort of onto the throne it's, it, um, instead of God, it's, there's got to be an intentionality because some of these things like your, your family, your children or um, your career, it's important that they have um, a degree of importance in your life, obviously. But um, I guess there's a subtle a subtle crawl from being important to being the most important. Um, how do we, how do we prevent, prevent sort of making things idols in our life? How do we intentionally do an audit, I guess, of what's, what's important, what our priorities are and 
get God back in the place he should be. Yeah, I, I wish I could remember um, who wrote this, but I, I remember reading somewhere where someone said, you know, it is far more difficult to be a living sacrifice than a dead one because living sacrifices can crawl off the altar. And I think, I think that's really, you know, that that's us in a nutshell, isn't it, that our lives are meant to be a living sacrifice. But, um, you know, in doing that, it, it really is, is our responses to to the gifts that God has given us, and and I think that it is is that point in which we look at these gifts. Our, our marriage is a gift. Our our husbands and children are a gift. But at a certain point, they can they can become a false god of security, and and it's at those points that that we need to really start to identify. Um, you know what is what is taking us from the Lord? Where are we finding our sense of security and worth? And um, if I can just give an example, um, this is quite a you know it's quite a vulnerable one for me. And, and I have checked with my husband that I'm okay to share this. But um, you know, I I was a very young wife. I, I met Jeremy when I was was 19, and um, I just I was married young, and and I found in my my early uh, marriage, I, I really idolised my husband in marriage. Um, I looked up to Jeremy to fix certain things in my life. Um, I, I received my confidence, my validation, my worth from him and our marriage. And and as a result, I actually um, held him in ridiculously to ridiculously high standards. Um, I, I myself, and it was my choice to do this, you know, I poured so much of myself into him, into our marriage, um, that God eventually just became like a silent partner. Like he, he really wasn't room for God because of the way I was approaching our marriage. And, and because, um, and, and this is really interesting, it's, it's the results. And maybe this is a way and sometimes we can identify what is an idol in our life. It's the results that come from it because, um, as I was finding my confidence and validation in, in, in my husband and my marriage, I, I found that anything he, anything he, that he did that knocked my confidence or security, i.e. be a human, like, it's just, you know, that's just life. Um, I was just so disappointed in him. You know, I, he let me down. Um, then our marriage, you know, it felt like a mess and it just wasn't worth pursuing. And, Almost a disproportionate response to... Absolutely. And it was just, um, you know, what happened in that moment was that, it, you know, our marriage was no longer a precious gift. It really had become sort of this this false god of security for me. And um, other ways when I reflect on it is, is I knew at the time, you know, the thought of losing him would, you know, have me in this kind of debilitating anxiety. Um, he he really had become my my peace and my security instead of God, um, and I found that my love for my husband was was really drawing me away from my reliance on God. You know, God wasn't the center of our marriage, and you know, Mel, I really I wish I'd known about idols of the heart back then because at that stage, you know, I had I had no revelation of what was actually going on. So. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, what can we, what can we take home from this? What, what is the step if you feel, gosh, I, I react disproportionately to 
something in my life not going the way I want it or someone in my life when they interact with me. How do, you, how do we, you know, take the next step into getting things back in their rightful place? Um, I, I can only speak for myself again and it really is just um, prayerfully examining our own hearts, you know, really really taking some practical and intentional steps um, so that, you know, where I was, you know, thinking idol wasn't even a word in my vocabulary and, and didn't have any context to my walk of God, just really acknowledging that it does. Um, as, as we live in a, in a broken world, in a fallen world, sinful, that, that these things are going to, to crop up and that we need to really be examining our own hearts and and I think that when it does come to examining our hearts we need to you know we need to be measuring it against the word of God to really say you know look at what it says and um you know I was I was thinking about at the end of first John first John five twenty one, the very last verse of the book he actually says little children guard yourself from idols and it's actually a bit like a slap in the face. It's kind of out of the blue. He mentions idols without having mentioned idols or idolatry prior. Um, and to me, I think that podcast to me was kind of slap in the face where, you know, I had idols in my life prior. So, um, so I really, you know, I was thinking about what it once he does suddenly finish the book with this statement. But um, if you do look a little bit, Earlier in First uh, John two fifteen and seventeen, you know, I think he's warning us against idols without actually using the word. He says, uh, "Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, um, and you know, who of us doesn't struggle with that, is not from the Father." but it's from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And yeah. And I think, you know, personally for me, I, I can't, and you know, I'm like this in connect too. I just, I just have this love of the word and, you know, I can't emphasize enough knowing the word of God, you know, when, when we're examining any part of our lives, um, and knowing what it truly means to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think I or you or anyone else is going to wake up five years from now having sort of passively taken on the character of God, you know. No, that's absolutely true. It's a partnership. Absolutely. Partnership. And, and we do. We need to lean into that process of sanctification. You know, we're redeemed. We bought it at a price, justified and and now we go through this lifelong journey of sanctification, being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And I said, you know, motherhood is sanctifying. Marriage is sanctifying. You know, friendships are sanctifying. And, um, yeah, Jen Wilkins says in her book, you know, Women of the Word, she says, um, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just really encourage um you know, all of our listeners, all of us to really dig into the word and and to pursue the character of God so that, 
as his daughters, you know, we know in what direction we're meant to go and, and we can examine our hearts with just real openness and, and honesty in taking those things to the Lord. That's great. That's fabulous. Uh, just to one final thought, I guess, um, that I'd love your opinion on is what do you think will be the challenge in this moment um, when so many of the things that we might have uh, looked to for value, worth, identity, security have actually been put in on the back burner. <laughs> and now we are left with this, um, a few things um, and a few people and a lot of space. What do you think we need to be um, aware of? What are the sort of things in this moment that could slip um, up onto the throne as we journey through this COVID uh, time. Yeah, it's really interesting, Mel. I think, you know, it's we're on in unprecedented times, aren't we, really? And for some of us, our worlds have become quite crazy, you know, as so we're juggling work, we've, we've um, teaching children at home and and there are areas that, that, you know, we're just finding we don't have as much time maybe to spend with the Lord, you know, I think that's one thing that we need to be really intentional about and you put that time aside because, you know, as we have those immediate demands, whether they're, they're Zoom calls or with with staff or, or children wanting some, some direction in their homework, um, it is really easy for us to, to put God on the back burner. But, you know, God wants all of us. You know, he wants um, our work. He wants um, the manner in which we're approaching our children as, as we help them with their, their, um, with their online learning or their at-home learning. And I just really encourage that, that we invite God into every area of our life right now. I, I think for me that's one thing I'm trying to do because for me it's really amped up. Um, for others it hasn't. It has quietened down. Um, so I've really had to be very intentional about it, about keeping the Lord just front and center in my mind. And, you know, when my, my kids may not want to, you know, do their work or whatever is, is really just bring the gospel into the situation and talk to them about, um, about God during this time and, and God's, um, part in the situation that they're in, if they're feeling really frustrated that they can't see their friend, you know, I have to preach that to myself, you know, I'm feeling, I'm not getting to see all my friends now as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're, we're all in that. Yeah, exactly. So for me, it's just that real intentionality. Um, and, and I think we, we just need to be intentional about, um, continuing to just, um, you know, confess our sins to one another and to, you know, find those times for us to connect with someone who's mature in the faith, who you can just have that sort of online coffee and, and just share our struggles, be really open. You know, I, I think now is not the time to sort of Zoom a girlfriend and say, hey, I think you need to really lay off the online shopping, you know. <laughs> Um, but to really open up with, you know, what is the Lord doing in your life and, and what is he teaching you? And, um, that just allows God to really um, reveal to, to each of us um, areas of our life that we need to be taking to him in this time. Um, 
And, and I just encourage everyone, you know, we, we are feeling a little bit probably more on edge and, and to just really, when we're talking to our friends, it is just to really start from a heart state, not a behavior. If you're seeing, you're seeing changes in your, in your friends or, or even in your family, you know, in your husband or, or your teenagers or whatever is to really begin with that heart state, not because you know that really opens up the opportunity then for the Lord to to speak to them. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Anna. That is uh, really good. Really, really good. It's been really interesting to talk about idols, and it's a challenge. And I think that um, call to putting God first in every part of our day and to be intentional in doing that, not just assume it's going to happen, but actually be intentional in opening ourselves and every part of our lives to God at this point in time. Is uh, is a really good um, a really good bit of information and encouragement. So thank you for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to perhaps having you on again in the future. Thanks for listening today. If you found this podcast helpful, why not subscribe or share it with someone you know? If you'd like help, advice, or encouragement in parenting, please contact the Granary Church at granary.org.au.